Slop Stories presents <coughs> Shortcut by Tim DePaula Oh no, you aren't getting off that easy, tough guy! An old hag hissed. Her teeth were shattered with years of clenched hatred, each tooth more intricate than a spider's web or a re-glued Ming Dynasty-style bowl. Jake looked into the hag's nightmarishly ancient face, the dark circles under her eyes pitch black and literally steaming streams of white-hot smoke. Her skin was translucent. He could see the opaque shape of her skull underneath the thousands of wrinkles piling up on one another. He wasn't thrilled to be in this predicament. He had arrived at this waiting-room three hours ago and couldn't quite remember why he was even here. The walls were a drab, puddle-brown colour, black mould speckling towards the ceiling around the rattling heating vent. It is boiling in here. What am I waiting for? You know, ma'am, I— You aren't going anywhere, the hag belched green bile splattering the foggy glass window she was sitting behind. It started to steam and melt through the glass, dripping down and bubbling up into beautiful emerald-tinted glass castles. "'I'm not going to say it again. You are a very lousy boy, a dimwit, to consider leaving after I've told you no.' I could make today very hard for you, if I so choose." Jake looked nervous and sat down, sweat beading over his entire body. His boxers were soaked through, and he could see the outline of them drenching through his pants. Why am I here? He looked around the room again. Rotten vines hung from one of the walls. But other than that, there were no decorations, not even a clock. He was far too terrified to ask the hag what time it was. He spotted a magazine and reached for it very slowly, as he couldn't imagine being yelled at by the hag again. Hmm. His eyes scanned the cover, and it wasn't like anything he'd ever seen before. The image on the front was a photograph of a fox sitting in a chair, but its eyes were dark yellow and human. The language on the magazine wasn't a scrawl he recognised, but his eyes stung when he tried to read the horrible carvings, so he just avoided the text. He flipped through the pages, but immediately his stomach turned rot-sour, and he tossed the magazine away as if it was physically attacking him. The hag didn't bat an eye. After a few weeks Jake wondered why he hadn't eaten, slept or used the restroom since he came to the waiting-room. He still had no idea why he was waiting, or what for, or how much longer it was going to be. The hag hadn't moved a centimetre since she yelled at him a few weeks ago. Hard to tell how long, because there were no windows, clocks, calendars, or any other people coming or going from the room. "'The phone is for you!' 
the hag shrieked, the sound so jagged, sudden, and horrible, that Jake felt a sharp dizziness set over his mind. There isn't a pho- Phone is for you! Jake wasn't sure what to do. He looked around. There was no phone. He couldn't hear any ringing. The dizziness was making him sick to his stomach. I have to answer. Hello, Jake said, like any person answering a phone would. Don't forget why you are here, uttered by something too horrible to be described. Jake was horrified. It all came flooding back. It had been a long night, and Jake had hardly slept a wink. Nightmare after nightmare keeping him awake, his wife was sick of the screams, so she sent him to the leather couch. Can't wait to peel myself off of that in the morning. When the sun finally rose, Jake realised he wouldn't be getting any rest before work. He slurped down some coffee, skipped the shower, and stomped out to his car. Jake was furious. Even on mornings when he left on time, he would still end up being late from his commute. This turned Jake into a road-raging speedmonger, always looking for a shortcut, a way to ruin someone else's day, to make his marginally better for two seconds. Today Jake was going sixty-five miles per hour in a neighbourhood, and saw his favourite freeway on-ramp backed up with about fifty cars. A horrendous grin came upon his face. He floored his gas pedal and raced past all of the cars in line, and at the very last second carved his way into the lane and cut off a black sedan. That had to have saved him fifteen minutes, give or take. Jake looked into his rear-view mirror to see the anger level of the person behind him, but all he saw was a calm grey head. Jake squinted his eyes and looked closer. The eyes were bloodshot with ripe anger, but the body language was calm. Jake's eyes shifted and looked at the person's mouth. He saw it say something, and immediately Jake grew weary and fell asleep. Jake woke up in a weird, dingy waiting room. What am I doing here? Jake stood to leave and then heard a voice from behind a glass partition. Oh, no, you aren't getting off that easy, tough guy, an old hag hissed. After around twelve years, Jake started fantasizing about what it would be like to use the restroom again. He couldn't act it out, because he'd had a few unpleasant encounters with the hag over the years. He really didn't want to upset her in any way. He could barely remember his wife, but he would imagine himself kissing her forehead and excusing himself from their bedroom to the restroom. Then he'd see it the gorgeous white porcelain bowl, shimmering from the morning light. Not any toilet, his toilet, the one he and his wife bought after they returned from their trip to Japan. They had loved the futuristic and technologically advanced toilets. Jake couldn't even smile when he was fantasizing about his bathroom. If that hag even had an inkling that he wasn't suffering, she would straighten him out quickly. Now I'll just take a quick seat on the toilet. That warm, perfectly heated seat. Oh, it feels perfect. And now my brown eye is stretching as— You filthy warthog! The hag squealed, 
she cranked down a lever on the wall. Jake's belly immediately felt sick. His migraine cranked up to one hundred percent. He must have let it slip that he was imagining using the toilet again. The hag didn't look like she enjoyed doling out the punishments at all. She looked just as miserable as always, smoke still steaming out of the pitch-black dark circles under her eyes. Jake started feeling unimaginable pain in every orifice of his body. Trillions of microscopic razor-blades dipped in white-hot poison, scraping up and down the skin. That is when it happened. An elderly woman walked into the waiting-room, eyes blank and mouth wide. She sat in a chair. The hag looked towards her, then back to Jake, and then towards the lever on the wall. She lifted it back up, and Jake's pain went away. The hag then stood for the first time Jake had ever seen, and brought a clipboard to the old woman who just joined their multi-year soiree. Jake nervously peeked at the clipboard, and saw the same language from the magazine that still sat on the floor where he threw it all those years ago. The elderly woman did not look at the clipboard, but continued to stare off into nothing with her mouth gaping. The hag looked towards Jake, and in another shocking turn smiled at him. "'Okay,' she whispered. Jake felt his brown eye rumble, and then it began to flow. It was pure ecstasy. He was finally doing something other than sitting in this very hot room. The brown mess loudly dripped onto the floor, splashing up onto the wall, and the elderly woman's legs who sat close to Jake. Jake roared with pleasure as more feces spilled from him, two inches of the entire floor completely covered. It wouldn't stop for another fifty years, but by that time Jake would no longer remember the outside world. He was immortal, so he wouldn't drown, but he'd be completely submerged in his own brown piles, along with the hag and the newcomer. Everything stung on their bodies forever. Thank you for listening. I've been your ever-so-delightful narrator, Simon Hensby. Help us to keep the slop churning by subscribing to our podcast and giving us five glorious stars. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Slop Stories for the latest news and updates. And now for today's memoir of misery. No... Pauline and Peter Pilfer-Pope hadn't contemplated how quite properly unpleasant their predicament had become. Their hotel stay had come to an abrupt end, their resources were depleted, and they had no mode of transportation available at this time of night, leaving the couple completely unsheltered and freezing in the dark. Peter fumbled through his cellular contacts, realising he had long since burned any bridges of compassion familial or neighbourly. Pauline stared menacingly at his silhouette, her teeth gritting too hard to be bearable, and intense anger emanating from within. Welp, we could just, um, camp, Peter mumbled half-heartedly. 
Pauline lunged at him, knocked him to the ground, and started pounding. Peter couldn't feel any of the punches, as he had died the moment Pauline dove toward him, a big heart attack from the shock. Local authorities and insurance adjusters screamed with laughter high in their palaces, knowing that Pauline did deserve the enormous $150 million life insurance payout, but that the bruises on Peter's face completely stripped her of all credibility and landed her a life sentence in federal prison.